Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. We'll be finishing up chapter number nine this evening and uh, thank the Lord for what he's given us and what he's done for us thus far in this chapter. Romans chapter number 9, we'll begin reading in verse number 30 and read down through the remaining portion of the chapter. The Bible says here in verse number 30 of chapter number 9, What shall we say then that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written... Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to be back together around your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Romans. We thank you for the inspiration of your word. Thank you for the truths that we've seen in this chapter so far. Thank you for the truths that we're going to see as we close out chapter 9 and go into chapter number 10. Lord, thank you for these truths. I ask you, Lord, that you would do in our hearts what only you can do. Speak to our hearts from your word. Illuminate your word. Magnify yourself. And make yourself known through the scriptures tonight. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. <clears throat> if we were to take a poll, and the question of that poll were to be this. How does a person get into heaven? How does a person get into heaven. You would often hear by being a good person. There's different various ways that that may be said. It may go by way of by sincerely trying to do your best or by being moral or religious or by doing good works or helping the poor. Uh, Muslims believe kind of along that same way. Uh, they must say the creed as is prescribed. They must pray five times a day. They must give alms. They must observe the fast of Ramadan. Ramadan. They must make a pilgrim, pilgrimage to Mecca. And they must perform other 
rituals, religious rituals, in order for them to get to heaven. Uh, cults base their beliefs on kind of the same principle. Uh, the way to heaven is through good works. Uh, they may require knocking on a door to share your faith with someone. They may include going on a two-year mission trip somewhere. They may include tithing your money. They may include abstaining from certain foods or certain drinks. But such ways to approach God is not limited to non-Christian or, or non-Christian or cults. Many Christian religions say that they earn their salvation the same way. They say they do it by going to mass or, or going to mass, going to mass or going to confession. They say they do it by good works, or they say that they do it by uh, some kind of harsh treatment to themselves. Uh, there was one in particular, in fact, Martin Luther back during the Reformation, Martin Luther was a classic example of that last example that I had given. He gave up his career in law and joined up with a mosque and uh, withdrew himself and, and treated himself harshly so that he could attain some kind, of, uh, some kind of atonement for his sins. The problem was it didn't do anything with his sins. And there was a Jewish man at one point in time that made the statement that he had actually involved himself in almost every world, worldly religion that he could find in order to find something, his search was he needed something that would do something with his sin. He needed something that would, would take care of that sin. And after spending many years and after traveling around the world, this gentleman actually made the decision that there was no answer to his question. He actually walking down the streets in New York one evening, went into a pawn shop, bought a 38 revolver, walked into the liquor store, bought a pint of liquor, and walked back to his motel. And his plans were to drink the pint of liquor and blow his brains out because he could not find anything that could take away his sin. But God, in His great love and mercy, on the way back to His motel, someone stopped Him and said, let me give you something to read sometime when you get a chance. He took that gospel track with Him. He went back into the motel, began, opened up the liquor, began to drink the liquor, but He opened up that, that, that track and began to read. And in that track, it was God's simple plan of salvation. Amen. And he said in that track, he found something that could do something with his sin. Amen. He found the Savior. Actually, he didn't know it, but the Savior found him. The Savior found him. There's a lot of effort in this world to 
for people try to try to make themselves better. They're trying to do things. They're trying to earn their way of salvation by works. And they're not able to find that, that earning. Think about it this way, if you will. What if, what if you had spent your entire life and you had done all the things that Martin Luther had done or you had done all the things that some of these others had done and what if you spent your entire life in religious discipline denying, and by the way, the, the example that I'm going to give you, I know that's not the way it happens, so don't misunderstand me tonight. But what if you went through all this religious dis discipline and you went through all of these things in your life and you did everything that everybody told you to do and when you got to heaven and you got to the gates, Jesus met you there and said you can't come in. But while you were standing there, there's a thief that all he did in his last dying breath was made the statement, have mercy on me when you come into your kingdom. And he walks in and gets to go into heaven and enter into the joys of the Lord. How, how tragic that would be. Understanding the right and wrong ways to have a right standing with God is important. Understanding what the world may teach and understanding that versus what God actually teaches and tells us in the Word of God about having a right standing with Him. That standing is not dependent. We've talked about it even in the opening tonight. That right standing with God is not dependent on what you do or can do or will do or have done or, or, or whatever it may be in your life. It's not dependent on that. It's dependent solely on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul in this passage of Scripture tonight, in our text tonight, the Apostle Paul addresses the critical issue when he makes this statement. He opens up verse number 30 with this. He said, what shall we say then? Understand where Paul's at. Understand what Paul has just explained throughout the entire chapter of chapter number 9. There's a question that kept bringing itself up. That question is that God made a promise. And that promise was that Israel was His people. And that Israel was going to spend eternity with Him. The problem is they depended upon that ethnically. But they weren't considering the spiritual aspect of Israel. Understand, Paul is leading up to this, and we've been through this in the chapter. Paul is leading up to the fact that God is sovereign in salvation. And he has done that for a purpose for us to understand that salvation is not dependent on us. Salvation isn't dependent on what you do, have done, or will do. 
Salvation is dependent upon what Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone has done. That is the only thing that salvation is dependent upon. It is our faith which God produces in us that allows us to believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary for us and what he did in taking our place. Paul says, what shall we say then? When he makes that statement, he is, it is actually serving as a conclusion to the preceding arguments that he's produced. And it is, it is introducing a new section. The question Paul has forced in Romans chapter number 9, as I've already stated, if God is faithful to his covenant promises, to his chosen people, then why are most of the Jews rejecting Jesus as their Messiah and their Lord? In Romans chapter number 9, we have found, as I've already said, we found that it is heavily weighted with the sovereignty of God and that God is the initiator of salvation. You did not come to God because you chose to come to God. You, got, you came to God because God came to you. Amen. And because God revealed His grace to you. If God had not revealed His grace, you would still be yet in your sin. It is God who done the searching. It is Jesus Christ that we found that is the shepherd that went left the 99 and went out to find that lost sheep. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that went after those that were and are his own. In our text tonight, Paul lays the right and the wrong way to come to God. And he states the wrong way first. When he mentions here, what shall we say then that the Gentiles which uh, followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? And then he goes on to explain. The contrast is plain, it's stark, it's, it's vivid as we look at it in Scripture. If we come to God by faith in Christ, we attain righteousness. Even if we were not physically pursuing God, God pursued us. Before we began to examine these two halves of this contrast tonight in a more detailed, let me point out this, that there is an inherent danger for those who were raised in Christian homes. It's a great advantage to be raised in a Christian home in that you learn God's way and you learn God's truth and you learn of God's salvation as a child. You're often spared the destructive things that sin can take you into if you're saved in an early age. But the danger is that Many will trust in their own religion. They'll trust in their 
religiosity. They'll trust in what they're doing versus trusting in what God has done. But I want to give you this first thought tonight as we look at verse number 31 down through verse number 33. I want us to consider this thought. To approach God through our works is built on faith in ourselves. And it will cause us to stumble over Christ and be lost. All your religion does and all your faith does is lift you up and put others down. Your faith has become a stumbling stone. Right. Now understand me, I am not saying that you lost. I'm not saying you're saved either. But I am saying if your faith builds you up and puts others down, your faith has become a stumbling block to you and to everyone around you. That's what Paul's trying to get them to see. The right way to God and the wrong way to God. It is not that God expects us to do certain things in order to be able to approach Him. Just as it was said in our opening tonight and the question that we had, if it is all Christ alone, if it is by faith alone, if it is by grace alone, and through faith alone, and it is Christ alone, and it's to the glory of God, if all of those are true, do we still need good works? The answer is yes. But those good works are not meant in our life to produce a plateau for us to stand on while we look down at everyone else. Those good works are produced in us in order for people to see Jesus in our life. And if those good works in you, if those good works in me produces any amount of pride or any amount of of, of self-righteousness, we've missed it. We've missed the whole purpose of it. The purpose is that others may see Christ in you. The purpose is that others may see you in Christ. And when we look down our pharisaical noses because someone else is not doing exactly what we're doing, that's wrong. It has quit being a foundation for you to build upon and it has become a stumbling block for you to fall over and cause others to fall also. And we need to understand that. As we look at this and consider this, Paul notes three different things. First of all, he noted in chapter number nine, he noted that God was God sovereignly put a stumbling stone in Israel. Israel was totally responsible for stumbling over it. 
What you and I have got to understand is that God is sovereign in, in searching us, in finding us, in saving us, in, in, in giving us salvation. God is sovereign in that. And at the same time, you are totally responsible for where you are without Christ. Understand that God, God sovereignly put a stumbling stone in Israel. But Israel was totally responsible for stumbling over it. Why? Because God had given them the truth. God had revealed to them the truth of the Word of God. Secondly, Paul is not playing loose with the Scripture. Rather, he is showing how these two texts fit together. In the Isaiah chapter 8 and verse number 14 passage shows that the Lord Himself is the stone to strike the rock or He is the rock that is to stumble over. But in Isaiah chapter 28 verse number 16 the Lord puts the stone in place as a cornerstone to build upon. In Isaiah chapter number 8 he is a stone, and they are stumbling over it. In Isaiah chapter 28, he is that cornerstone for the temple to be built upon, or he is that which is built upon. How can the Lord be both the stone itself and yet the one who puts the stone in place? The answer is the Messiah is the Lord God. He is God. By combining the text on from those, by Paul pulling those in and putting those together, he's showing that Christ is Lord and is both the hope of salvation to those who place their lives in him and yet he is the same stumbling stone that others stumble over. No doubt there were those that were Paul's contemporaries. And Paul went about thinking he was doing God's service. He went about persecuting the church. And yet on the road to Damascus, he ran head on into Christ. And when he did, he bowed before God. Those that were his contemporaries now are after him, trying to get rid of him. What are you saying? I'm saying that that same stone became what Paul built upon and it also continued to be that stumbling stone that the rest of Israel was stumbling over. Understand third of all that in Romans chapter 9 and verse number 33 it clearly refers to Jesus Christ. It is obvious that the faith that is attained to righteousness which the Gentiles attained in verse number 30 but Israel did not attain in verse number 30 through 32 is faith in Christ. It is faith in Christ. This faith that justifies is what Paul elaborated on back in 
Romans chapter number 3, verse number 21, down through chapter 4 and verse number 25. Paul elaborates on this faith. But understand this, number two this evening, understand two, we understand that when we approach God through our works, we are building in, in a faith that is in ourselves. When we approach God upon works or with works, we are, we are approaching God this way. We are approaching God by having faith in what we have done. But to approach God through faith in Christ, that results in a perfect righteousness and salvation. Look in, in Romans chapter 9, verse number 30. It said, What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. The righteousness that the Gentiles attained to was a righteousness which is of faith. In verse number 31 or verse number yeah verse number 32 it said wherefore because they sought it not by faith but as it were by works of the law the the Jews at that time the what Paul the, those that Paul are writing to the Gentiles had approached righteousness by faith but the Jews had approached righteousness by the works of their own deeds. To approach God through faith in Christ is a result of perfect righteousness and salvation. Why? Because it is the righteousness of Christ. It's not our righteousness. We need a perfect righteousness which only comes through faith in In order for you and I to enter into heaven, go back to the example that I gave you in the opening. In order for us to enter into heaven, we cannot enter into heaven. No one will ever enter into heaven with anything less than a perfect righteousness. You cannot attain that within yourself. You don't have that within yourself. You can't work that up within yourself. You can't produce that within yourself. But Jesus Christ what does the Bible call? The, the Bible refers to the Lord Jesus Christ as Christ the righteous. Christ is not, Christ did not just do righteously. He is righteousness. Amen. That is the reason we can enter into heaven. Because we enter in and through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You will not, you will not have audience before God without perfect righteousness. And you can't 
do that. You can't work it up. You can't make it happen. You can't do enough. But Jesus Christ satisfied the Father. Jesus Christ did. What did he say before he went to the cross? I have done all that you've asked me to do. Jesus Christ did everything the Father bid for him to do. And he did it righteously. And it is in that righteousness and in that righteousness alone that you and I can approach heaven. We're not approaching heaven. You are not approaching heaven because you prayed one day. You're approaching heaven because Jesus Christ obeyed the Father. You're approaching heaven because your, your faith and your trust is solely in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the reason it is important that we approach God in the right manner. And that is through the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need a perfect righteousness which only comes through faith in Christ. Paul tells us that here and repeats it over again in verse number 30 and 31. He said, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness, they weren't even looking for it. But they have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained unto the law of righteousness. Why? Because they were not approaching it by faith. They were approaching it by works. In other words, salvation by human righteousness always falls Short. There's no wonder Paul made that statement in Romans chapter number 3 when he said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It is God's righteousness. We fall short of that. It does not matter how good we are, we fall short of that. To come to God through faith, we must renounce our merit in the works that we do as a basis for approaching God. We must realize that and understand this. I believe there are those, I believe there are those that are saved by grace, they're saved by faith, the same way you and I are saved, but they're still trying to approach God. And they're still trying to get an audience with God by doing good works or doing this or doing that. Your standing with God, your standing with God, my standing with God will only change when Christ changes. And he's not going to change. What did he say? He said, I change not. Christ is not going to change and therefore you can always approach God because we're approaching God in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we can rest in. Amen. Not only that, but 
to come to God through faith, we must entrust our right standing with God totally to the merits of the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Trusting what Christ has done. John Calvin put it this way. He expressed it this way. He said, but how they stumble at Christ who trust in their own works, it is not difficult to understand. For except we own ourselves to be sinners, void and destitute of any righteousness of our own, we obscure the dignity of Christ, which consists in this, that to us all He is light, life, resurrection, righteousness, and healing. But how is He all these things except that He illuminates the blind, restores the lost, quickens the dead, raises up those who are reduced to nothing, cleanses those who are full of filth, and cures and heals those who are infected with diseases. Then he goes on to say, Nay, when we claim for ourselves any righteousness, we in a manner contend with the power of Christ. For His office is no less beat down all of the pride of the flesh than to relieve and comfort those who labor and are wearied under the burden. Can I be honest with you this evening? And I'm almost done. Can I be honest with you? When all we do is take the Word of God and say, don't do this and don't do that and don't go here and don't dress this way and don't look this way. As we do all of that, we're placing burdens on God's people. But when we preach Christ and we preach Christ alone, therein God's people find rest. Because it is not in what they have done or are doing. You and I did not gain a standing before God. We were not reconciled to God by anything less than the Lord Jesus Christ. And that reconciliation will not change until Christ. Changes. And I've already told you, He changes not. Amen. By way of conclusion, if you don't get anything else, let me give you this. Christ, this passage of Scripture, as I've said in the beginning, is either the rock, the foundation on which you build, or He is a stumbling stone which you stumble over. He is either the foundation which you build upon and you allow others to see Him in you, or He is that stumbling block that you place in the steps of your brother or sister. That's the reason the Apostle Paul said, 
All things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. If what I do is a stumbling block, if what I do or do not do becomes a stumbling block to you, then I've not presented Christ correctly. You and I have liberties in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul's going to go on and tell us about that later on in, in the book of Romans. But understand this. In this passage of Scripture, the stone that is talked about, the stone that is referred to is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you and I need to tell a lost and dying world is this. Trust in Christ and Christ alone and you will not be ashamed. What did he tell them? He said, him that believes on him shall not be ashamed. If you're, if you're building upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to be ashamed at that judgment day. When we stand before God... We will be standing before God in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and in His righteousness alone. Not ours, not our good works, not because, not because I've lived for God for so many years. No, you and I are failures, but Christ is not. And we can rest in Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can find rest in Christ.